This morning, we'll begin with uh, Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 and verses 19 to 34. Matthew 6, verses 19 to not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, the whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? How great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about the body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more val of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which, is to, which, is, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about it, its own things. Sufficient is the day, if sufficient for the day, is its own trouble. <clears throat> the Bible says that the Word of God <clears throat> goes deep into the heart. It goes deep in its dividing of the soul and spirit. It exposes the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. And when we hear the words of Jesus and the, the Apostles, there are certain things that make us feel different ways, and some of them make us feel uncomfortable. Some of them encourage us, 
or a combination of many things, depending where we're at. But there's always, some people, it, it stirs up anger in there, resentment. Depends on where we're at, you know. But Jesus said here, you cannot serve God in money. And this is, as we study a little bit about this today, it, it makes, this is one of those things that make people very uncomfortable for a special reason. One of the things is because of fear. The pursuit of money and the pursuit of things sometimes has to do with fear. Jesus talked about all the people of the world and what they sought. This is what the Gentiles seek after. It's the way of the world. They're afraid for tomorrow. Make sure they have enough for tomorrow. Even to the point of hoarding. All kinds of stuff. He says, but there's something that comes first. Seek first, number one, the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all things you need will be given to you. All things we need. Not all things we want necessarily, but all things we need. And there's a big difference between the two. Especially in the world and society that we live in. And <clears throat> Jesus talked about the treasure in our heart would be revealed in the way we live. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And it steers our decision making. It steers our vision and our outlook. People are living in bondage to fear. And the Bible says we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but a spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father. God has adopted us who are in Christ. It's not a spirit of fear. If we're bound in fear, we're not walking in the spirit. We've got we to gotta get out of that, that worldly mindset. That's what all the Gentiles seek after. That's the way of the world. But first, the kingdom of God is first in our outlook, in our lives, in the way we live, and His righteousness, His way, and everything that will get taken care of. God will take care of all that. Uh, what if this happens? And what if there's a recession? And what if, what if they, you know, they take away our freedom and all this other stuff? That doesn't change Jesus' words. Sufficient for today is the evil thereof. Don't worry about tomorrow. It'll take care of itself. We don't have to live in fear of tomorrow and, and be driven and driven to do more than we should. I always remember George Mueller's testimony about a brother that came to him. He was talking to, he went to actually he went to visit this man at his house. And the man says, I have no time to seek God. He says, because the way our the economy is now and all the things that are and the price of everything he says i can't afford to to just work a regular job i have to work several jobs and i have to you know do all this stuff to make ends meet and george Mueller's observation was the god he believed in was not a living god and that this was a man who said this, I hear this all the time today, but this man said this, you know, a couple hundred years ago. 
George Miller lived a couple hundred years ago. At least 150. And yet it's still being safe set from generation to generation. All the reasons why we don't have time to pray. We don't have time for fellowship. We don't have time for this. We don't have time for that. It's all about... And what do we find in all this mindset? No man can serve two masters. Either we seek first the kingdom of God, or we don't. If the, if the kingdom of God is not first in our lives... That's what Jesus says. No man can serve two masters. We cannot serve God and money. Well, why money? Serving money. Who serves money as a Christian? You see that money has to do with the flesh. And serving, you know, and, and the fears and the, and the lust and the desires and the wants and all the other things of the flesh. And that's where the money and things comes in. And the fear of having enough. And this fear this fear driven, you know, walk. We have not received the spirit of fear, but of power of love and of self control. The Holy Spirit is not a gas that comes to live in us. He's God. He's the third person of, of God, the Trinity. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God. So much so that Jesus said, Anyone who blasphemes the Father or Son will be forgiven, but he who blasphemes the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven in this life or the world to come. The Holy Spirit is God. And he comes to live inside those who are in Christ. <laughs> Simon the Sorcerer tried to buy that that giving of the gift of the Holy Spirit that Peter had to lay hands on people he saw in Samaria. Try to buy it. He said, your money, and Peter's response was, your money perish with you. You have neither part or parcel in all of this. It has nothing to do with the things of this world. The kingdom of God, the things of God, have nothing to do with the kingdom of this world. Darkness and light have nothing to do with one another. Luke chapter 16. <clears throat> Jesus says this again. The first time was on the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus says it a second time too. Uh, verses 13 to 15, Dave. If you can read no servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now the Pharisees, who were lovers of money, also heard all these things, and they, and they derided him. And he, and he said to them, You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. So, again, he says it a second time in a different place. No man can serve two masters. You cannot serve God in money. And he goes on, to, he says also in this, either hate the one and love the other, be loyal to one and despise the other. 
Oh, I don't despise God. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't hate God. But yet, you know, we can be living a double life. We can be living a confused life where this is love is not just an emotion. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is him that loves me. It is an action, it is a, an act and a response of love to Christ as our Savior. And some people will do it. It says here the word derided is is actually means literally they turn their nose up at Jesus. This did not sit well with them to hear that because they were lovers of money. They may never profess that, but their greediness was exposed. One of the reasons why they hated Jesus. They turn our nose up to him. And in some ways we can un, unconsciously or unknowingly be turning up our nose at the life that Jesus has called us to. Uh, you know, I've heard some Christians say, oh, you know, we're not supposed to just live lives of peasants. You know, like, but yet if you look at the church, you see that there was a sharing and there was this caring for one another and there was not this hoarding, you know, that was exalted, although that happened in certain places. You think of Ananias and Sapphira and being driven by pride. And here it says, that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of the Lord. Highliest, what's highly esteemed? Big house, shiny, fancy cars, you know, you know, lots of vacations and all kinds of, you know, things that we can have and materialism. It's all just spread right out there. The things that are highly esteemed in the, in the way of the world. It's an abomination in God's sight. The selfishness of life and the way we can live. It's not the attitude of Christ. The attitude of Christ was he took on a form of a servant. He took on a form of a peasant. He came on to this earth and was a, and worked in a carpenter shop. Worked with his hands. He was a regular guy. In some ways. And he lived in obscurity until the time of his calling. In the time of the ministry. Here we go on to verse 19. Verse 19 to the end of the chapter. <clears throat> there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham, Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that I, he may dip 
the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. That's good. In this passage, you see somebody who's in hell, and it's exposed that he had such great selfishness. He was storing up treasures in this earth, not caring about his neighbor. Now, if he would care about his neighbor, his, his beggar, and other people, and this message is not just the rich people. I think that's where deception comes in, and seeing, oh, this is a rich person, I don't worry, I'm not rich. This message is to all, because inside human nature is a desire for things, and, and, and this lust within the human nature of every person. And so, if you think this message is only to the rich, you're mistaken. Because there's, you don't have to be rich to care for others. Say, well, if I share with others, then I won't have enough of this or that, you know? And I won't be able to do this or that. And I won't be able to this. And I won't be able to that. And, you know, and, and it becomes a very self-centered life that we develop for ourselves. Worrying about the future, and worrying about this, and worrying about that. Fear. Take no thought about tomorrow. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And everything we need will be taken care of. We think of funny things that people do. Strange things. Judas betrays Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. The prophet Balaam. God told him not to curse Israel. But he wanted that money. And the Bible talks about the greediness of the prophet. He was able to talk with God. And yet because he was driven by the love of money. He did things that ended up causing him to be not only rejected by God. But it was resulted in his own death. And judgment from God. And it talks about people in the church that would be like that. The false prophets in the church. Are, are, they, it compares them in the book of Jude and, and, and Second Peter, or First Peter. No, Second Peter, chapter 2, it compares them to Balaam. We also see, as we go to the next one we will go to, is in Matthew chapter 28. And these are just a few examples. We could find a lot more if we really worked at it. Matthew chapter 28. This is after the resurrection of Jesus. Verses, we'll start with verses... Uh, Two to eight. <clears throat> and behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven, and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. 
His countenance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him, and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples and that he is risen from the dead, and indeed he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples' word. And then we go, um, so from there we go to verses 11 to 15. Now while they were going, behold, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all the things that had happened. When they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers, saying, Tell them, his disciples came at night and stole him away while, he, while we slept. If, and if it, this comes to the governor's ears, we will appe appease him and make you secure. So they took the money and did as they were instructed. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until to this day. It's funny what people will do for money and what people will do with money. Here is the truth. The guards saw the truth. They saw this miracle. They saw the angel. They heard what the angel told the woman. They shook with fear. They go, they go with this truth and they go before the priests who and the, these Roman soldiers did. And they told them what happened. And they bribed them to not tell the truth. And the motivation of those to suppress the truth with money, and the motivation of those to suppress the truth by receiving money, all for their personal reasons, they suppressed the truth of God, this powerful truth, and, and, and promoted lies. Now, they could have been executed for falling asleep, on guard duty, the penalty of letting someone escape uh, while while you're on guard is death. The Romans, many other groups of, of soldiers at that time, and that's why it says the priest told him that if the, if the governor Pontius Pilate says anything, he will take care of it, will appease him, and so um, they did it for money. And you see the corruption of the human heart and how deceitful it can be. You saw an angel. You heard that this Jesus who is crucified is risen. He's not here. He rose from the dead. Instead of going out and telling people that, what they saw. And this whole thing, they traded it all in for money. And the Pharisees the lovers of money, they were afraid what it would mean for them. They were the ones who conspired to put Jesus to death. Would it, how would it look if that was true? If this story gets out, look how bad it will look. Reputation. And you see compromise and, and the use of money in this compromise by both sides. The love of money 
and the corruption of money. You hear it all the time in the news, in the world, all these things the Gentiles seek after in the world. Unfortunately, this message is said to us to watch out for our human nature. <clears throat> Jesus talked about the widow. When people were giving money, it says some people, the rich people, were giving a whole bunch of money. You know, and it says that one place that they would blow a trumpet when somebody gave over a certain amount of money to the, uh, the temple treasury. Similar to what Dave and I have talked about uh, when we were kids in the churches that we were raised in, that they would send a newsletter around once a year and having it how much money each family gave that year. Dollar, dollars and cents, down to the cents. You know, blow the trumpet. This is how much we gave. And Jesus talked about a widow who gave two mites. Do you know how much two mites is worth? I looked it up because I've always wondered, and I finally looked it up today for the first time. They said it's worth about half a penny. He says it's the lowest, it's not even a copper coin, it's copper and bronze. It's a, it's, it's a bronze coin, that means it's copper and aluminum mixed together, that's bronze. And that's what, this half, two of these made up a half a penny. So, And she put two of them in the treasury. And Jesus told his disciples, you see what that woman gave? It's more than everybody else gave. She gave more than anybody else there and everybody else. Because she gave up everything she had. And that's a challenge. Jesus said, if a man is not willing to forsake all that he has, he cannot be my disciple. And it is a forsaking of all the attitude of the flesh, the way of the world. It is a forsaking of all that we were, and all the darkness, and all those former loves, and all that stuff of the flesh. Forsaking all and following Jesus. That's the call. Selling everything he had to buy that treasure in the field. Forsaking of all. Mark chapter 10. I'm going to skip around this one, Dave, so mm -hmm. I'll, I'll start mm -hmm. this one. Getting in verse 17, Now as he was out on the road, one came running and knelt before him, and he asked him, Good teacher, what may I do that I may inherit eternal life? Verse 19, You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defray, honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, One thing you lack, go your way, sell what you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come take up your cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Now this is an extreme case 
but it exposes the human nature that is in all of us. And the struggle all of us would have if we would be honest, if we were in this man's shoes. Now Francis of Assisi was a man of over a thousand years ago who was a son of a rich merchant, and he was a rich man himself. And for and we don't know we don't know Francis personally, we just know some of what we told of the story. That he sold it got gave away all of his wealth at this word of Jesus. And he decided to live a you know a life of a common a common man. And he gave it to the poor. But you ask yourself the question. Well, boy, if I was in his shoes, what would I do? Now, we would automatically say, because we, are in, we believe in Christ, most of us automatically say, oh, I, you know, dismisses out, give it all away. But you see, we are not in his place. We are not in his shoes, necessarily. Uh, you know, monetarily, at least, maybe in other ways. But you see that it's exposing something that's in all of us, whether we know it or not. And that's exposing our human nature, our flesh. And it's desire for comfort, for pleasure, for the things that please our human nature, our enemy. Our human nature is our enemy. And so why is it that there's such a drive in us to please this enemy within We listen to it. We give in to it. We're not, maybe we're not aware of it. Maybe we don't want to deny ourselves these things. want to walk in the things that feel good and appeal to us. And this gets very, very uncomfortable, as I said. Some things that Jesus and the Apostles said are just that way, because they go down into the soul and touch on certain things. Do with this guy. Oh, I kept all the law. I've done all these things. He's given to the poor. He's done all this stuff. And, and Jesus, okay, yeah, you've given to the poor, just like all those people at the temple that blew the trumpets. He said, but do what that widow did. Give it all away. Now, if he only had two half penny, or he only had a half penny, two mites, I guess it would have been a lot easier for him. But the reason why he choked at what Jesus said is because he started looking at all that stuff. All that stuff. And that's where his heart was. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, Jesus said. And it's something that we talk about because it's something that each of us as Christians must be aware of. These, these things that Jesus and the apostles talked about. Hmm. The qualifications of a pastor, an elder of the church, must not be greedy for money. It says, as we go to 1 Timothy chapter 6, I will do this very quickly, just read a few verses from here. 
1 Timothy 6. And as we're turning there, the Apostle Paul in First Second Timothy talks about one of the signs of the times is in the last days you'd be proud boasters and and one of the things he says they'd be lovers of money. We always had love of money. But it'll be more so in the last time, the last days. And it would be in Christendom, it would be in the church. We read about that in Mystery Babylon, in the book of Revelation. In verse 3 it says, If anyone teaches otherwise, and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the teaching which is according to godliness, is proud knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes, arguments, in which come envy, strife, reviling, evil suspicions, useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds, destitute of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. From such withdraw yourself, for godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. Before we go on in this passage, you know, I have seen in Christianum, and at times I've seen it in myself, these drives that put your life out of sync. Spiritually out of sync. They put you out of you know, out of the, the right frame of mind. Out of the right direction. Following the leading of the Spirit. Our decision making is based not on the kingdom of God, but on things of this world. And people are driven by it. And there's this drive to pursue money in business and in life. And the way they live their life. I don't need to go into detail. Each of us has to examine ourselves. But here, he's talking about we didn't bring anything to this world. We're not going to carry anything out. So if we're not carrying anything out, then you know that we've been called to a simple life. Why should we have this drive to get a bunch of things that we're not going to be able to carry with us? Jesus said when he comes, don't go back in the house and get your stuff. You can't take it with you. Or you're going to stay behind with that stuff because your heart's there. Just like, remember, he said, remember Lot's wife in that passage. Her heart was in the things of the world. Am I pointing my finger at anybody? No. I'm just looking at it for me. But each of us has to look at it for ourselves. Because this is the uncomfortable things that are in the Word of God. And I see people driven in bondage. They're in bondage. And it goes on to say, 
For those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare. You know, desire to be rich. Well, I don't want to be rich. He's talking about those who are not content with food and clothing. Those who are not content with the life of a servant, like Jesus. The life of a peasant. That's who he's talking to. Beyond, you know, the necessity of life. And this is what he's talking about. He's not talking about desiring to be a millionaire. For those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men into destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. For some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and have pierced themselves through with many sorrows. They veered away from the, the faith in Christ. Their security is in, you know, self-sufficiency and this drive for comfort things of this life. Does this sound extreme? Maybe. But again, this is where we have to exa- examine ourselves. And not to point our finger at anybody else, but at ourselves. And in the mirror. And examine where we're at. And again, he mentions the love of money. The root of all evil. <coughs> the root of all evil. It exposes something in us. Are we driven by it? Well, are we putting business before the kingdom of God and all that all the calling of God? Are we putting the love of things more than sharing and storing things over sharing things? Are we concerned not only our own things but of the things of others? This just goes on and on. It's a spider webs in so many directions. But the fact that Jesus and the apostles mentioned it, they all they mentioned it, shows us there's something really important here. He's telling us something really important here. Now, I have heard in Christendom a lot of dancing around this stuff. The same way I've heard about dancing around turning the other cheek. And loving our enemies. And doing good to those who do evil to us. Dancing around this too. What are they doing? They're doing what the rich young ruler do. They're going away from the word of God sorrowful. Now. Did this guy go away from the Lord? And turn into a stone cold heathen? Probably not. Doesn't say. But maybe he was just content with his religion where it was and thought, you know, that you know that guy was great. And he was a good teacher and taught a lot of good things, but man, he got a little out a little bit fanatical there. He got a little out of hand. A little too extreme. Forsake all to follow him. Fear not, little flock, it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell what you have and give to the poor. And behold, you shall have treasure in heaven. I'm going to stop there.
This is a what I would call one of these thoughts of self-examination. I think I've said enough on it, but Dan, if you want to comment on it, or any other brothers want to comment on it, you open that or anything else.